From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray that this morning you would not just help us to understand this word, but that this word, your word, your spoken word, would take root in our lives and transform us from the inside out. Help us to understand this new creation that you have created through Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, I'm sure many of us have New Year's resolutions on our minds, right? Many of us have been thinking of, which, what's, the, what's the one I'm going to go for this year? There are many examples we can come up with. Lose weight, exercise more, read more books, maybe watch less TV, scroll through social media, and spend, or spend less time on social media, uh, write handwritten cards more often. That's a creative one, right? I've, I've heard that one once or twice. Uh, attend worship services here at Trinity four times a month. I mean, that's, that's an option, right? That's a New Year's resolution. Uh, and I heard one this morning I really liked. Someone said, I look good this morning. I said, yeah, you know what? I think that's going to be my New Year's resolution this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with look good every Sunday morning, right? <laughs> that does, that's, not, that's not a hard resolution for me to come to. But anyway, that's besides the point. That's for a sermon another day. There's, there's a lot of things that we can come up with, a lot of, a lot of desires, a lot of uh, things that we aspire to accomplish, to, to get really good at, to build healthy habits. But, but just thinking about them, and like if you've ever set a New Year's resolution, you probably know this to be true. It's one thing to, to think about it, to set that goal. It's a whole other thing to be faithful in living out that, that resolution, to, to be faithful to, to living it out day in and day out, to building that habit. The New Year's holiday reminds us, then, of, of these, the hope of new beginnings, of this, this fresh start, this, this chance to begin again, again, right? To, to start over, to try out these, these uh, the, the uh, resolutions from a fresh beginning, a fresh start. And, but it's important that we take a moment to recognize something this morning as we think about this new year in front of us. A, a new year doesn't solve all of last year's problems and troubles. And a new beginning again doesn't mean a clean slate, right? We're reminded of the hope of a fresh start in a new year, but we also are reminded of the fact that just starting again doesn't mean that things are going to be better than they were last year. And so when we come to Paul's words here in 2 Corinthians, I want to encourage you, they do give us hope, but maybe not the hope that we expect or think that they give us. Because in this passage, there's one of the most famous, famous uh, verses that we've read. This idea of us being a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. This idea of our old life is behind us. 2022 is behind us, right? And, and, and we have 2023 ahead of us. But it doesn't necessarily mean what we think it means. Our hope is not in new beginnings and fresh starts. Our hope is in living a completely new life, in being a new creation, a new creature. Like that's, that's what we want to think about and consider and take hold of to, to allow New Year's to be a day not to remind us of, of new resolutions we can aim for and go after, but this idea, this reminder of the fact that in Christ we are a new creation. We're a new creature, a, a new being. So here's my challenge for us this morning. We'll, we'll start with the challenge rather than end with the challenge. Uh, 
don't set a New Year's resolution. I mean, you could if you want to. I, n no judgment here. A lot of us do, and, and that's a good thing. But, but my challenge to you this morning is don't set a New Year's resolution. Don't set out to, 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 to look, look good every Sunday or, or lose weight or all that. Set out to, to be reminded of, to think on the gift we have, the new life, the new creation we have in Jesus Christ. Right? Consider how you might renew your focus, renew your uh, attention on this new life, this new creation you have in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul's life, especially we can see it here in 2 Corinthians, is a testimony to this new life. It's a walking example of what it means to be a new creation while still living in this old world. Here in 2 Corinthians, Paul's actually writing a letter to believers defending himself. He's giving a defense against some leaders who think he doesn't actually match up to what their expectation of a religious leader is meant to be. Paul is defending himself saying, no, I'm actually a genuine ambassador of Christ in this world. I am genuinely a messenger of this good news that Jesus came to proclaim through his life, his death, and his resurrection. See, people in, in, his, in the culture he was living in, they questioned his status as a teacher. They questioned what kind of leader he was because he didn't fit the mold of what, it, what they thought that teacher and leader should, should look like and talk like. You see, the celebrated celebrity leaders in, a, in Roman Corinth were those who held power and influence. They were people with money and prestige. They were people who, who had property. They, they, they were people who were eloquent with their words. They, they, could, they, they could give this speech with big words that maybe they didn't even fully understand themselves, but it sounded good. It, it, it attracted people because it was witty. It was, it was quick. It was attracting all these Followers. See, the, the people in Corinth, they were focused on, on, on these messages that, that tickled people's ears. And, and they thought, man, isn't that cool? We've got, we follow this leader over here. He's got all these fun, fun sayings and, 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 and all these followers. In other words, the, 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 the leader, the, 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 the speaker that they celebrated in Corinth were those who were all show and no substance. They look good on the outside, but but what was on the inside didn't really match up, right? And Paul, Paul refused to conform to these patterns, right? He, he, he refused to conform to the pattern of the culture to, to, to think, hey, if, if I do what they say, maybe they'll listen to me more. Maybe they'll hear what I have to say. That was not how Paul operated. And it, it drove some of the leaders in the church a little bit mad because they're thinking, come on, Paul, cooperate with us a little bit here. Maybe if you talk a certain uh, catchy way, that more people will come listening to you. And then, then the church will grow and it'll be, be even more influential. But that's not how Paul operated. Instead, Paul embodied, Paul exhibited a fresh and new way of being, which was guided by the love of Christ for the world. Right? Uh, understand something. Paul was guided by something inside of him that was not an aspiration for something that was out there in the world. Paul was guided by the love of Christ in him for the world. And so it's against this background that, that Paul writes some of the most well-known verses in the New Testament. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. 
The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. But what I want us to understand then about this passage this morning is that the newness of life that Paul's talking about here is not the let's begin again kind of experience that we have on New Year's Eve, right? Where we can kind of say, okay, all my mistakes of 2022 are behind me, and I got a fresh start at 2023, right? That's not the kind of new life that Paul is talking about here. See, New Year's Day often does make us think of fresh chances, at, at, at getting better at developing these old habits that we want to, and, and, break, and, and also breaking bad habits that, that we want to get out of our lives. With a brand new year in front of us, we, we can see potential, we see hope, we see the possibility of change and, and doing things better than we've done before. But that's, again, not the newness, the, the new creation that Paul's talking about here. What Paul's talking about is, is a qualitatively different kind of new way of being, a new creation. Twice in our passage, Paul uses the Greek word kainos, which means new, right? If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. But what this Greek word refers to is not, it's not like a, a newness, like a fresh start. It's, it's newness in the nature of something. It's something being completely different than what it was before. It's, it's, a, it's not just a new beginning, like, okay, uh, I lost all my lives, and i got to go back to the beginning of, of the level that I'm on in my game. It, it, it's becoming something brand new, something completely different. It, it, it's, it's an objective difference, right? Most often in the New Testament, th- this word is used to describe the new heavens and the new earth, this new kingdom that God is ushering in through Jesus Christ, this, this new way of being, right? I, I mean, think about our cars for a moment. You know, I, I, can, I can put new tires on my car. I could change the oil. I, I could get it cleaned and detailed inside and out, put, put a new air filter and maybe put some, an, an air freshener in it. And, and just so it, it feels like a new car. You can even get an air, scent, an air freshener that says new car smell, right? You can do all these things, but it's not really a different car. It's got the same old uh, uh, mechanical quirks that it had before. It's not, it's not the, the new creation that you long for when your car is breaking down on the side of the highway, right? It's got the same miles. It's got the same sounds that it makes when you start it up and you drive it along. Or, or I can go to a dealership and I can buy a brand new car off the lot. Right? I, can, I can buy a different make or a model. I can buy a brand new car that has a new engine, completely different engine, a new beginning, right? So when Paul says that believers in Jesus are new, he's, he's, not, he's not saying, hey, I'm going to take your broken old self and kind of rework it a little bit, give it an oil change, maybe, maybe put a, 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 you know, this one needs a new air freshener in it or something like that. That's not the kind of new creation that Paul's talking about here. He's talking about a qualitatively, objectively different creation that we are in Christ Jesus. You are not who you once were through Christ. This new creation is in a new age that's dawned through Christ. So right now, there are those who are in Christ who are living in a new kingdom with new values and and a new way of being while still living in a an old world. Matthew chapter 9, verse 
17, Jesus is talking about this new creation. He, he compares this newness to that of, of new wine being put in new wineskins. Now, in those days, when you're making wine, you take the, the juice of a grape and, and you put it into a fresh new animal skin. Why? Because as the grape juice ferments, the process builds air and gases that expand in the skin. And so it was important that if they want to make wine, they put this in fresh animal skins that have not yet been stretched. Because once the animal skin has been stretched, it can't be stretched again, right? The the animal skin can't begin over again in the process of making new wine. It's physically impossible for this wine skin to begin again. New wine has to be placed in completely new and different wineskins so that the juice, the juice of the grape, can ferment. That process can, can be, uh, of it becoming wine can, can ferment and, and gases can expand, the, the juice can expand, and it can actually become this new creation of wine. Church, if we're telling ourselves this morning that I can be a Christian and also live in such a way that share the values of this world apart from God, we're lying to ourselves. We're lying to ourselves if we think we can live with one foot in this world and one foot in the next. That was how I came to Christ. I was, as a young man, living with my, like, in this life where I was looking to kind of keep my friendships keep the, the, the way of life we were living together, living a lie, living kind of one way with them and a different way in front of my family. Because I, I love my family, I love my friends. And, and the fact that they had different values didn't compute with me. I figured I could keep up the charade where I, I, when I'm with my friends, I'll act this way. When I'm with my family, I'll, I'll profess these values over here. But that, you can only keep that up so long. That's that idea of, of kind of looking to the world to see what I long for the most. And what I found, what we all need to come to the realization at some point, is that there is nothing better than the life we come to know in Jesus Christ. That we can't live with, our foot, with one foot in one world and the other in the next. As followers of Jesus who are committed to becoming more and more like him. We can't go on living in this world where we, uh, on Sunday morning, we we say yes to Jesus, but then on Monday morning, we say yes to the values and the ideals and the, the, the traditions and the norms of this world. See, in Matthew chapter nine, Jesus was dealing with a bunch of religious leaders who were upset with him. They're upset with him because they're, they're responsible for maintaining life in the temple and, and the religious life. And, and they look at Jesus, and he's over here spending time with people that, that, that were unclean in their minds, right? Jesus is, is having uh, dinner or ha- enjoying a meal with tax collectors and sinners, those very people that religious leaders would say no way to because they're unclean. They represent the sinful life of this world, not the new life of the kingdom of God. And see, the problem was that in their minds, their understanding of holiness was shaped by the traditions and the norms of this world. In their minds, holiness meant avoiding eating food with people that were ungodly and didn't look the part of the religious life. But again, their, their perspective, it wasn't shaped by what God had declared, what, by, by God's word. Their perspective was shaped by their 
their, their human nature, by their cultural traditions, by the norm of the society that they were living in. The norm that said, hey, the people that look like they, they've got their lives together, those are the ones you want to follow, right? But Jesus knew better, right? Because Jesus didn't come to heal the healthy. Jesus came to heal the sick. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, those who felt hopeless, who felt like there was really no, no hope of their life turning around or going in any direction. Jesus came to draw near to them. And church, here's what we need to understand about what's going on here. Because Jesus sharing a meal with these people, it's not just, hey, they were doing something, they got hungry, and they took a snack break. Jesus sharing a meal with them expressed something in that, those days. It expressed a, a, a shared peace that they'd come to. When you sat across from the table from someone, you were expressing a, 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 a give and take, a giving of peace and a receiving of peace from this person, a commitment. And so Jesus sharing the, the meal with these people, he was celebrating something. He wasn't focused on protecting his own holiness and, and, and being righteously clean. He was focused on celebrating these people, these new people coming into the kingdom, becoming new creations themselves because they've realized that there is nothing better in this life apart from Jesus. See, what Jesus did was cast off the old way. Jesus said, listen, I get it. Your, your old way of understanding righteousness and justice is, is through these, these outward appearances, these outward acts of righteousness. But that's the old way. You need to understand God, God doesn't care about your, your sacrifices and, and, and your religious behaviors and attitude. God cares about your heart, about that inner transformation that comes through Jesus Christ. And what, so what Jesus did was casting off these old religious norms and traditions that didn't reflect the kingdom of God and, and, and give us, show us what it means to be a new creation in God's new kingdom, which he said was, which he, he prioritized by sharing a meal, by eating with these new people, celebrating with these new creations, entering into the kingdom of God. That's, that's why he sat and ate with the tax collectors and the sinners. They were, they were the very ones for whom the Father sent him into this world. Brothers and sisters, we need, we need to be a people willing to live with biblical, biblical kingdom values now. Not someday, not, not, not when, when our culture is a little bit more comfortable with with who we're following and, and what he proclaimed. We don't, we don't need to be so concerned about fitting the mold of, 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 our, of the society around us. We need to be focused on living the values, the kingdom values, the biblical values, the life that Jesus shows us in himself. And so what a holiday like New Year's should remind us of is that, that we're a new creation. It shouldn't remind us of the fact that we get to start afresh. We get to begin again. We, you know, we, we last on our diet two weeks. Well, you know, maybe we can go three weeks this year. That's not what the, what the holiday should remind us as followers of Christ. What the holiday should remind us is of this new creation. That we are a new creation. And with, 
with Jesus' arrival and the arrival of his kingdom come these new values, this new way of living, this new way of being, right? In the early 1800s, here in the United States, there was this, this group, a, a, a core of discovery led by Lois and Clark, right? And, and Lois and Clark were, were charged, Lewis and Clark, sorry, not Lois. Lois was probably Lewis's wife. Um, <laughs> Lewis and Clark were charged with discovering this, this passageway from the eastern side of the country to the western side of the country, right? In, in those days, we didn't have trains at this point. We didn't have all the modes of transportation. We didn't have, we didn't have shipping lines, you know, of these massive cargo ships and, and planes and all that. And so they were charged with finding this passageway from the eastern side of the country to the western side of the country. The country had just purchased a whole bunch of land in the western part of the country as we know it now. And and they want to know, how do, we, how do we get things, not just how do we get people, but how do we get goods and services from the eastern side of the country to the western side of the country? And so that's what Lewis and Clark and their team of explorers were charged with discovering, this, this western passageway. And, and prior to their expedition, no one had, had gone further west than the, con, the, the confluence of the Missouri River and the Yellowstone River. And so this was going to be completely new territory that they were venturing into. They had no idea, well, they, they had a theory as to what, they would, what to expect, but they didn't really know what to expect, right? Their theory was that they could follow the Missouri River and it would lead them all the way to the West Coast, that this could be the answer that they're looking for because everything could travel up and down the Missouri River and they can get from the East Coast to the West Coast. Now, they, they, on one of the days in their journey, they came to a sad conclusion that their theory was wrong because they eventually reached the, what's really the beginning of the Missouri River, but the end of their, their journeying by canoe and boat and whatnot because they got to the, this place where the river ended, the Missouri River ended, and what was in front of them was the Rocky Mountains. Now, at that point, Everything they, they had been using, the tools, had been, canoes, paddles, uh, anticipating their, their, their discovery along a waterway, had to be, in a sense, thrown out the window. What they had in front of them was a new challenge. Looking at the Rocky Mountains in front of them, they had to figure out what tools and skills they would need to adapt and adopt to figure out how to get over the Rocky Mountains and continue on with, with their, their expedition to find the West Coast. Brothers and sisters, many of us are attempting to live by faith while still using our canoes and, and the skills and the tools we have of navigating waterways and not looking ahead to our goal and, and, and living as new creations in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? We're, we're living facing the Rocky Mountains in front of us still relying on canoes and paddles and, and, and other things, little floats to carry our goods and, and stuff up the waterway, when what we need to be thinking about is, is what sort of boots do we need? What sort of warm, warm weather do we need or cold weather do we have to adapt to? What sort of uh, skills do we need to, to learn to, to navigate through the mountain way? Many of us are, are, are more concerned about success, success and growth and health according to what this world tells us is successful and good and healthy rather than the standards of God's kingdom. See, Paul tells us in verse 17 that we're a new creation. But he doesn't just say that we're a new creation. He says the old has passed away. 
right? Our understanding of how we are to live in this world, what we're supposed to pursue and what's healthy and good for our hearts and our minds and our lives, our souls, has passed away. And so the new has come. Just as Lewis and Clark found that their canoes were no longer helpful in climbing the mountain, so our old way of evaluating and understanding and judging the world around us is no longer helpful, church. What's loving and good and just shouldn't be defined by what, our, what the world around us says is loving and good and just. The values of God's kingdom should tell us what is loving and good and just, what's worthy of our pursuit. This is why Paul says in verse 16 of our passage, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. See, as Christians, we no longer look at the world around us and make sense of it from a human perspective. It made sense when, when this world was what we were living for, to, to, kind of, to understand this world from, from, from this world's perspective. But because we're a new creation, because we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we need to look at this world as for what it is and set our eyes on the kingdom for which we've been created. As Christians, we, we, we don't look at the world around us and, and make sense of it from a, from a human point of view. If I've said yes to following Jesus, then I've said yes to his values and his kingdoms. Or his kingdom, sorry. My, my old way of navigating this world is no longer valid. It's no longer helpful. It's outdated. It's like Lewis and Clark trying to carry their canoes up the Rocky Mountain because they love their canoes. They, they love riding in the canoe. And they're not ready to let go of the canoe. And so they start climbing the mountain, carrying it with them, getting tired and exhausted and, and actually getting tripped up. It's probably putting their life at risk to carry those canoes over the mountain, right? Now, as a follower of Christ, I need, I need to look at the path in front of me. Where is Christ leading me? He, he's, he's leading me in the direction where he wants to conform my life to his image, the image of Christ. He, he's leading me into the kingdom of heaven with all new values and a whole new way of being. And so I need to look at that path in front of me and think about what new skills and tools I need to navigate in God's kingdom. See, as followers of Christ, it doesn't make sense to follow the ever-changing and infinitely diverse value system in this world. We, we live in a world where, where we don't want to hurt people. That's, that's kind of, a, I get that. That's a good thing. But we also live in a world where we want to make room for every value system. And as Christians, we can respect that. But we also have to hear what Christ in, is calling us to. To embody the, value of, uh, the values of God's kingdom. And so... It doesn't make sense to follow the values that this world pro proposes as right and good, not unless they're in line with the values of God's kingdom. See, we're not going to become new wine by staying in old wineskins. New wine in old wineskins only ends in disaster. 
Because as that wine wants to stretch beyond what those wineskins can stretch to, the wineskins, they burst. It's a disaster for the wineskin and for the wine. And so what New Year's invites us to do is to consider this new creation we are. It is to consider the, the new skills and tools that, that we have to embrace on our own journey in becoming more and more like Christ, in becoming this new creation. And you know what? Our Bibles are peppered with these skills and tools. I mean, this, let me just take a, a, a quick detour for a minute. Uh, that's not always a, that's a scary thing sometimes to hear the pastor say from the pulpit, but just bear with me because I was reading in Psalm 119 this morning and it just, it made me think, you know, what does this new life look like? What, what does it look like to, to, be, to be following Jesus, to be living as a new creation? And, and, and Psalm 119, just the first 20 verses, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord, who, who walk looking for God's commandments to inform our hearts and our minds. That's the blessed person. You want to know what it means to be blessed in this world? It's those who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who keep God's commandments, who seek him with their whole heart, who do no wrong but walk in his ways. You commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Is that what you long for? Do you, would you proclaim with the psalmist, oh, that my, that, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, in keeping your, your law, your commandments, your way, your values, your kingdom, God? Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed in all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word, O Lord. With my whole heart, I seek you. Is that, the, is that the life that we, as a new creation, are living into? Are we, with our whole hearts, seeking after him? Or, or are we seeking after him, but also seeking after the approval of man? I mean, I'm, I'm probably speaking of myself right now. But, you know, like, you, you don't want people to, to be angry with you. You don't want them to be disgusted by what you believe. You don't want them to, to be offended. But at the same time, we can't live with one foot in this world and one foot in the next. We have to learn to live in accordance with the new kingdom we've been created and called into as new creations. With my whole heart, I seek you. I'll leave that there for now. Psalm, Psalm 119, first 24 verses. Great, great passage to go back and read later on, maybe pray through as you enter into this new year. Let that be the posture of your heart as you face the new year ahead of you. Our Bibles are peppered with values, the values of God's kingdom. Jesus' teachings are saturated with them. We can, we can literally receive the invitation from our Bibles to feast on God's word and to do it every day, right? I think it's the prophet Jeremiah who, who's told to eat this word, eat the word, the scroll of God, it's either Isaiah or Jeremiah. We can choose to believe that though man looks on the outward appearance, right? And we do. We, we, we celebrate how good we've got our lives together. We can show up at church on Sunday morning, putting on our Sunday best, even though our lives are in disarray beneath the surface. But you know what? No one's going to bother you because you look like you got your life together, right? 
We, we, can, we can choose to believe that though man looks on the outward appearance, we can see the kingdom's values that God looks on the heart. Just as when he looked on Jesse's heart and chose, uh, uh, sorry, just as when he looked on David's heart when he went to Jesse to, when he sent Samuel to Jesse to anoint the next the king of Israel, right? Though man looks on our outward appearance to value us, to, to understand us, God looks on the heart. We could spend time reflecting on the Beatitudes in Matthew, right? Those are the passages where, where it's this repetitive form of blessed are, blessed are, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the humble, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We, we can con- contemplate Jesus' definition of greatness when he tells his disciples that in the kingdom of God, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, Right? We could consider the, the example of humility and, and sacrificial love and servanthood we see in the life of Jesus. You could think on Paul's challenge for us in Ephesians 4, verse 24, where he tells us to put on the new self, which reflects the righteousness and holiness of God. What does that mean, to reflect the holiness and righteousness of God? That's, that's a value system that sets you on a far different ambitious path than maybe what the values of this world might encourage us to pursue. Values which are focused certainly on our outward appearance, right? Whether you want to admit it or not, even our understanding of righteousness can be influenced by how we look at someone, how we, what our first experience is with them when we look at them. Not, not really get to know what's going on in their life or what's happening in their world, but what do we see on the surface? That's a value system of, of, of our world, to, to focus on our outward appearance. Our world values a success that's defined by numbers of followers rather than the quality of the followers' hearts and lives. Listen, we, we could agree that we, we would want this building to be overflowing with people. But if the quality of the people's hearts and lives is no different than what is out there in the world apart from God, there's nothing good to have in this building overflowing with people. Values of this world treasure, they treasure things like independence and, and, and autonomy. We celebrate statements like, I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. Man, that sounds like, that's a beautiful poem. But do we, do we is that, is that articulate a value that, that reflects the kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world? Where I'm, I'm the master of my own fate. No one can tell me what to do. Things like, you only live once. Or, you know what, if it makes you happy, go for it. Or, actually, <laughs> that's, that's a lyric from, uh, I can't think of her name now. Yeah, Cheryl Crow. <laughs> if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. I won't sing it. But guys, listen to me. Hear me when I say this. These values, they represent the old world, the old life, a dying world, a a world passing away. There there are canoes and paddles that are no longer helpful. And and the longer we hold on to these values and and the ways of living, the harder our climb will be toward, toward reaching the summit of our creation in Christ. When Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, he was spending a large chunk of his letter defending his ministry, defending who he was as an ambassador of Jesus because 
there were many who felt he didn't fit the part. He didn't measure up to what they should expect of, of, a, of a great spiritual leader and a great ambassador of Christ. The, the church, they just wanted him to look and sound like these celebrated celebrity speakers and pastors and, and leaders in, in their culture, in, their, in Corinth, right? They thought Paul should be charging money to hear his sermons because that's what they did in those days. There was, there was a, you know, a fee you had to pay to, to, to walk in and hear uh, what the speaker had to say. They, they thought Paul should be speaking in tongues and making a big show of himself up on the stage. Hey, everyone, look at me. Look, at, look what I can do. Look how, how wise and spiritual and great I am. They, they thought Paul should craft eloquent and, and flashy speeches that, that wowed the masses, that impressed people because of, man, look, listen to that word. What does that word mean? I got to Google that or I got to look it up online. Right, but, but Paul didn't look or sound like the, the, the speakers of his day, the politicians that, that, that were celebrated as, as elite and successful and, and, and what it meant to be a speaker and politician. See, Paul came with one purpose. Paul came to show the power of the Spirit of God and the good news of Jesus' kingdom. He was driven by different values than many of the celebrity speakers and leaders and, 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 and uh, people of those days. He was driven by values, qualitatively new values that were at work in his heart. Paul, as he writes in our passage, was driven by the love of Christ. And the love of Christ taught Paul to focus on cultivating the garden of his own heart and the heart of others rather than to be overly concerned about how he looked from an outward perspective. So church, New Year's Day may offer many of us a new chance at old habits like dieting and exercise or reading goals. But, but this year, rather than a New Year's resolution... Let it be a reminder of the new creation we are. Let it remind you of the kingdom toward which we're climbing. Rather than how do you get better at some of these habits that people say will, will make you happy and make your life all you know, better. Let, it be, let, let New Year's Day be a reminder of the task that lies ahead of us. Pursuing righteousness and holiness according to the kingdom of God rather than uh, this world. Let, let it be a reminder of the task that lies ahead of us. It's not about our own comfort or our own success, but a, a task that focused on the love of Christ for others. Paul says in verse 14 and 15 of our passage, for the love of Christ controls us because we've concluded this, that, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. See, the hope that we receive from this passage this morning is hope in the potential of the year ahead. But the potential of the year ahead isn't potential for ourselves. The hope of the potential that lies ahead of us is for the people in our lives who need to hear of the light and the life that's found in Jesus Christ, who need to know that there is a new kingdom, a new creation available to them through faith in Jesus Christ. So we're, we are a new creation, church. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. 
So let's do this. Let's live as new wine, not in old wineskins. Let's choose and remind ourselves that we're choosing to live as new wine in new wineskins. That as we grow and expand as a new creation, go from grape juice to wine, we would expand in the kingdom of God and see him accomplish what we long to be in Christ, a new creation. So because of Lewis and Clark's courage to live in light of the new landscape in front of them, because they chose to keep going and not turn back and say, oh, we failed, we didn't find the Western Passageway. They said, no, we need to adapt to the landscape in front of us. We need to live in light of the, the, the landscape in front of us. Because of their courage, there have been countless discoveries and, and, and new lands that were found because they chose to keep going. And church, trust, um, trust me when I say this. It, if you were to take that same boldness and courage this morning, and in the year ahead, and choose to live in light of the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of this world, then there will be new people, new creations entering into the kingdom of heaven because they've seen what it looks like to be a new creation in Christ. Because they've seen you living the values of the kingdom of God rather than the values of the kingdom of the world. And they said, hey, what is that? I want to live in that kingdom. I want to live in that place where God loves me, has provided for me, has made a way for me to be a new creation as well. So this New Year's Day, Paul isn't reminding you of a chance to begin again, again. Paul's reminding you of who you are. You are a new creation, living in a new kingdom, guided and directed by the love of Christ for this world. So church, let's go out and make the most of this new year that God has for us. Let's live in light of eternity. Let's live in light of the kingdom of heaven because that's who you are. You don't need to be discouraged or hopeless. You have every reason to be filled with, overflowing with hope because you're a new creation. You're a child of God. You're living in his kingdom under his rule and his reign and it will not pass away. It will not be destroyed. It will not be stopped. Our world is on a trajectory toward God fulfilling all of his promises in Christ. When Christ returns and ushers in the final pieces of his kingdom. But guess what? We get to live in that kingdom right now. So, so, so explore what those values are. Explore what that kingdom is. Be reminded of who you are as a new creation. And let's go out and make the most of this new year that God has in front of us.